in the worst part of Kemi's Chunk D. Bring the noise. FM Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you have all had a good week in the circumstances. Today we have an interview. Um, it's been a minute. <laughs> there was a time where I was just like, I want to do interviews, and then I stopped doing interviews um, uh, earlier in the year. Um, a lot of them just fell through, and I just, um, I just uh, never chased because I don't chase. I'm not a badger. Um, but for this one, we have an interview, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and it wasn't actually curated by me um, with us uh, for the intro for this interview um, and also uh, participating in the interview um, along with me um, is Mr. Ryan Gore, um, right at Central Source, Football Paradise and uh, interviewing high high heads in Disney Disney World, uh, Disney film world, animation world um, over at Squiggly. Uh, Mr. Ryan Gore was good, sir. I'm uh, very well. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, man. And thank you for just... Um, kind of had had to be the interview in some ways and just allow allowing allowing to share it um in some ways and sharing sharing the love um, that's, listen uh, i just didn't want to write <laughs> <laughs> i just do here do my, go here doing the thing you know you do the editing that's all <laughs> you, you 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 sound like me three years ago um it was just like I'm, i don't want to i don't want to transcribe interviews anymore let me do it on podcasts instead um so yeah Welcome, welcome to the club. <laughs> so, um, Ryan, who are we interviewing? We're interviewing Otis Mensa, the uh, former poet laureate of Sheffield, uh, just an artist that Charlie and I love. Someone I've covered a good few times over at Central Source, and he recently had a new EP out called "Things I Should Have Said a Year Ago," which I'm a huge fan of. And he emailed me saying, "Hey, can we do something around this?" And I was like, "I wasn't going to say no," because one. I'm just not that heartless. <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> uh, I wanted to because I love Otis and any conversation with him is really fascinating. And yeah, this one was no different. Um, we talked about, geez, what do we talk about? Music videos and how that feeds into his creativity, uh, him self-producing for the first time and going for a darker tone, and uh, the north of England and uh, the, the the cultural divide between the North and the South and between Britain and America. So he covered a lot of ground, plus just the general artistic musing of Otis. He's a very thoughtful person. And um, yeah, so I think there's a there's a ton to dig into here and a ton that I wish I could have just paused on and asked like 50 more questions <laughs> about. Uh, I'm sure Charlie feels the same, but, um, but yeah, oh, it, yes. it was a fun time. Yes, um, Otis is, I think, a really just... Um a really thoughtful interview every time and um, always gives um, answers that just make you want to um, just uh, ask, ask more questions, man. And uh, there's, there's never there's never a time um, constraint more annoying than uh, interview notice because he always just puts out thoughtful questions and always leads us into, and not, you know, not in terms of just, um, I guess, uh, trying to, I don't know, make the interview longer or whatever, but he just answers honestly and it always just comes off very thoughtful. And uh, as interviewers, it's always, it's very easy as interviewers, I feel, mm. to interview us because you can just give him a subject and he'll talk talk about it for a good five, ten minutes and you can get so much out of those five, ten minutes and practically make an interview out of that. Maybe we should do that as an experiment, get him in and just say a topic and then see what questions we get out of his thoughts on said topic. <laughs> we could might not it. work for we could do it. might not work for most people uh, uh, interviews don't know about you but um, yeah that'll be that'll be, that'll be kind of an interesting interview experiment first but for freestyle now, interview yeah yes literally freestyle interview um, just uh, just hold up a card see what happens um, but for now uh, we have uh, a good fi- a good 50 minutes um, nearly an hour so um, yeah lots of lots to eat lots to digest as Ryan said um, with that, we'll leave it there. For next week, again, even to the not IG, disconnect, all that, all that, all that in the full show notes. And with that said, hope you guys enjoy the interview.
for the second time. I think the first time, second time on What's Good, uh, Mr. O.S. Mensa, and obviously Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Uh, coming through. <laughs> it's What's Good, man. I'm good, enjoying the sun. Uh, I'm blessed to be on, on your part again. Is it sunny, though? I mean, right. I live in sunny Sheffield, so <laughs> by, by default, it has to be. You know, it's in the name. Yeah, exactly. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see a decent setup uh, this time. That's, uh, that's great. That's great. We're gonna no stoppages. Let's do this this time, yeah. Good. Indeed. Um, so uh I mean kicking off, uh it's uh, been gosh, how many I mean it's been a, it's been since 2020 at least, uh since uh, since our interview and uh I know you linked up with Ryan uh, a couple Larry of weeks or like a yeah. Yeah, 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 literally just around the same time. Um so I kind of just wanted to kick off by just like uh what's been going on since then. <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, nice, nice broad question to start with. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, it's been an interesting journey. As, uh, I think it's a, a constant um, cycle in between trying to find inspiration and energy to, to, to create and, and not just create, but, but release those creations. It seems like it's a whole different bag of energy to try and, to try and get them out into the world, you know? So uh, I've been working in 2020. I, I wrote and, and recorded my my first sort of self-produced project and um, pretty much since then I've just been working towards getting that out I've, I've you know I've started working on a new book a new book of poetry and of course you know in in the midst of the pandemic it was it was all about staying safe but but such a blessing to get to get back to live shows and, and perform live where we can and feel that energy again so I don't know it's it's, it's all a bit of a blur but I feel blessed to have certain certain musics and, and certain poetic works out in the in the airways at the moment you know finally exactly yeah yeah and uh, i was just listening back to our interview that we did two years ago and you mentioned that at that time you were working on what i presume was the cp things i should have said a year ago uh you said it was your first self-produced thing but you said you were aiming for a winter release in 2020 <laughs> so what <laughs> oh. what was the process like then trying to Wishful get out the world I know, wow. Right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. But of course, we had a chat about it, didn't we? Well, that, you know, that's both uh, depressing to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, uh, you know, it's like beautiful to hear at the same time. <laughs> the reason why it's depressing is because I feel like as artists, we're, we're constantly... Um, you know, uh, grappling our ideas and, and thinking, well, how uh, it's finished, you know, it's like it's, it's finally done. Um, but then thinking, well, how do I get it out into the world? And, and I think the depressing part is, is uh, you know, you write, you write a piece of work from a specific mental space, from a specific emotional space, and then you sort of step out of that headspace and, you know, you move on to the next thing. Um, and sometimes there's just so much more work to do uh, before you can actually release it into the world. And sometimes you're not going to be in the same mental space when you release it into the world. So it's this constant uh, uh, wrestle between, I guess, expectation and authenticity. Authenticity meaning like, do I still feel it's valid to release this piece of work, even though I'm artistically proud of it? Is it still, you know, it's like, is it, is it still a true representation of me? So I think that's why it took me so long to get this piece of work out. Um, I was very proud of it artistically, but I was constantly um, wrestling with the idea of whether this is a good idea to release, whether this is emotionally authentic and stuff of that nature, you know? Yeah. So, um, of course, like having such a long gap between having made the project and having released the project, is there kind of a discrepancy in newer things that inspire you and then wanting to incorporate those things to the project? You know, what are those things that have inspiring you that you felt like, ah, I can't wait to get this kind of mm. thing out? Um, that's a great question. I wanted to work with more live instrumentation. And I was, when I was sitting on this EP, uh, I think, during the time, I mean, I, I still am somewhat now, but during the time of, of working on this EP, um, I was heavily inspired by, by uh, artists who were like pushing the boundaries in a very minimalistic way, do you know what I mean? Who are uh, working with very low-key samples or, you know, it's like working with a very minimal uh, sonic backdrop. Um, and 
that was really inspiring to me and it felt very DIY and it felt sort of like something uh, uh, like accomplishable, like I can, like I can achieve it. Um, but I, I, I think like as I was sitting on the project, I was like, hmm, I would love to have more instrumentation in this. And I was thinking maybe I should just get a live band to replay this. I don't want to run into issues with samples, etc. All, All these sort of like, all these thoughts that were holding me back from releasing it. Turns out, um, I couldn't have been more happier with 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 the sonics of it, and um, you know, it's it's yeah. I, I feel it's this relationship that artists have that everyone has, but I feel it's magnified in artists when you're releasing your own work with with self doubt. You know, releasing something where you've initially got this uh, boost of I don't know self induced grandiose. You know, uh, this is the best. This is the best thing I've ever done. This is wonderful i'm so happy i created it you know obsessively listening to your work over and over again until you don't and then you're like huh actually do i even like this is this you know where does this sit with the music that's being released at the moment is it good enough uh mixing and mastering it a thousand times <laughs> um so yeah i mean it's been a journey but i'm, I'm blessed to have it out and and now sitting on it on with hindsight i feel like it's a very true representation of me uh, I'm specifically fond of the of a, a few certain songs on there. Yikes, Black Box, um, uh, uh, Woodlouse of Friends. Uh, like for me, like Woodlouse of Friends, that that chorus that I was able to accomplish is is like exactly where I want to be. You know, like that's that's the the vocal bag that I want to be in. That's the artistic bag that I want to be in. So um, yeah, it's, it's a blessing to have it out. It's interesting you're talking about, um, I guess, your uh, growth at, uh, at this point in time. Um, I was actually listening back last night uh, to your pre-mum's house uh, era um, with like uh, with computers outside and um, uh, days over Damson. Oh, sure. And it was interesting you talking about uh, your, your artistry now and listening back to those is very interesting. I was wondering, just in general, at, uh, kind of zooming out um, this uh, way uh, of uh, this discourse we're having at this point, pertaining to your artistry. How do you feel <clears throat> about your growth, about your evolution as an artist from those two particular projects and coming to now? Because those seemed, I mean, from from my perspective, you know, Computers Outside gives me like a Wate vibes. Um, and even with uh, your latest EP, that seems so much more left than that uh, from those two EPs. And those are pretty, you know, uh, uh, alternative anyway. So um, how do you how are you feeling about that? I guess uh, the constant moving just left and constantly uh, yeah. just changing that artistry for yourself. Yeah, that's a great question. Um... I constantly want to figure out new ways to evolve and push my artistry, you know, um, as, as I'm sure every artist will tell you. But I think a, a very significant change that I, that I noticed within myself, perhaps from computers outside times or days over dams and times, is I was very heavily focused on the lyrical content of those EPs. And when I say that, I mean, of course, I'm a poet. I'm still focused on the lyrical side of things, but I was very focused on what is the message that I'm relaying? How well am I rapping? Uh, all these sort of like technicalities of, of the art form of rap in this beautiful culture of hip hop that we, that we exist in. Um, but I think I started to see things in a, a wider scope at some point. It definitely, definitely is manifested in this EP, but I think before this EP came about even. Um, a shift in the way I sort of perceive language. I'm not. I'm less concerned about the message that uh, you will, as a listener, uh, uh, you know, accomplish from from listening to this project, or that you'll you'll receive from listening to this project. And I'm more concerned with the journey that you'll have. You know, uh, I like the idea of now taking the scenic route as opposed to giving you this this message that's accessible. Um, I'm less concerned with accessibility. I'm more concerned with painting a pretty picture, you know? This idea that let's go deeper into the the, the idea of abstraction. I think me and Ryan spoke a, a bit about this when we chatted uh, towards the end of uh, 2020. 
And um, yeah, I think I think I'm I'm much more concerned with the emotional journey rather than the theoretical journey, rather than the logical journey that my that my music takes. Which I think naturally means that you know the more you the more you go into an idea, the more abstract it becomes. Um, and maybe the the harder it is to pin down. Well, this is this kind of music. This is this kind of art. Or this song is about this. Or you know, is is speaking to this concept. Um, and that's what my favorite artists do. You know, they they take you on a journey. And sometimes you don't understand that journey, but you feel um, you feel something about it. You know. Yeah, and I think um, when you do focus on just getting the message across. It can lead to quite obtuse music at times mm. and music that lacks that depth because you're not exploring, as you said, the journey, because so much of this is about the journey. Yeah. And I think another way that that manifests is in the music videos for the project, which is something I'm definitely interested in with you really conceptualizing um, all of them. So, and when we spoke last, we talked about how music videos was this huge point of inspiration, especially for you. You said it was like, you got to see the poetry leave someone's lips and that just kind of uh, give you that spirit of creativity. So when you're developing your own ideas for music videos, do you try to emphasize, emphasize your delivery for that reason? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, I think it's not something that I consider whilst I'm creating the work. Though, like, I don't preempt, I should write a piece of music like this in order to, uh, you know, have a music video in this way. But what I am constantly thinking of is visual ideas when I'm creating work, when I'm hearing melodies, I'm, I'm seeing symbols and visual representations of those melodies or of those, those language games. And, um, yeah, and I think that just, that, that's just a space that I'm always thinking about. I'm always considering, uh, like, what colour... Are these are these poems? What color are these these songs? You know, what what color are these sonics? And 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 yeah, what symbols come to mind? What what would be a good representation of this? And and again, back to this this idea of taking the scenic route. I feel like the, also with the music videos, it's less about narrative. Like, what is the narrative I can tell? More so, um, how can I focus in on a specific idea? You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, because in every music video, apart from grievances, it's you delivering, you know, Aurora Borealis is you at the piano, mm -hmm. um, Black Box is you in the cinema, yeah. you know, hardly a bar goes by without you delivering it. Mm -hmm. But then you have grievances where you're not in the video at all. So yeah. what was it about that particular situation that wanted you to uh, step back from the spotlight? Uh... Initially, when creating grievances, I was certain that I, I wanted like bodily movement. I wanted dance, you know, I wanted something of that nature to represent this. Just because of how the, the, the music was being translated in my head, I was like, this would be perfect for dance. And, and uh, I imagined some form, of, some form of ballet. Actually, for so many of the music videos uh, from this project, I imagined dance, you know. Um, and I... For at some point, funnily enough, considered doing the, the dance piece myself and then obviously wised up <laughs> uh, and stopped being silly and reached out to, uh, to an incredible artist to, to interpret that, you know. And um, yeah, but that's I, I've always I've always been fascinated by dance and uh, figuring out, how, you know, that relationship between between the song and, and the physical movement, you know. Practice makes perfect, man. You're yeah, not, you're not gonna know unless you, unless you kick. <laughs> That's true. Well, my mirror has seen the worst of it, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So, um,. When you come to uh, on the music video front, uh, when you come up with concepts, do you begin with this is a cool image, uh, or what's the best way to express the theme or emotion? I 
music videos uh, ideas are always grandiose and then they become smaller and smaller and smaller uh, the more I sort of try and be realistic about them and, and, and think about well how is this actually feasible and I think that's that's a nice way to work because I like the idea of, of, of sitting with all the limitations and then saying well how could I do this grandiose idea in this box so for example for Aurora you know I had all these these interesting ideas about like creating a bed out of a piano um, and the, the music video would start at the bottom of the piano with some fans playing the piano and it would slowly pan up and actually it would be a bedroom and the top of the piano would be a bed and the backdrop of the wall would be a night sky so you know <laughs> it starts with all these grandiose ideas and then you you realize well actually what is accessible to me right now okay so I've got a room with a piano in okay you know what what is the what are the key visual ideas or better yet what is the emotions that i'm trying to get across is it uh bodily uncomfortabilities is it gruesomeness is it you know a lack of sleep is it insomnia and then it's me figuring out a way well with these current lim limitations budget wise and and and, and location wise uh what is it that i can do of that original grandiose idea um yeah, and I think that's a beautiful way to work. That's a minimalist way to work. And, and, and I love being, I think it's the only way I can be because of my, my, the resources I have available, also because of my skill set. But I, I like the idea. It, to me, it's, it's, um, it's fascinating to, to have very few tools at your disposal, yet still create something, you know? I mean, that's at the core of hip hop culture, having a, a limitation of tools at your disposal creating something new innovating something and, and that's what i'm constantly trying to trying to rely myself with you know i appreciate the beating around the bush and not just saying uh budget <laughs> all, all of that to say <laughs> all of that to say i'm broke <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that's that. hilarious that's hilarious go ahead right <laughs> yeah um on that note actually i'm skipping ahead a little bit sorry charlie but if you did have an unlimited budget, you know, mm -hmm. you just gave us an idea of what your videos would look like. Mm -hmm. But in general, what's what's the what's the wildest dream you have for a music video? Like ever? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, that's a great question. So I had a a, a pretty like gnarly idea for Black Box actually. Um, I really imagined like a a, a derelict. Uh, sort of like block of flats uh, where all the rooms would be open like all the doors of each flats would be open and you would go into each flat and there would be a different scenario but the scenario would be a representation of my childhood um, and I would be carrying this baby walking through this block of flats before going in any of the room and the baby is me <laughs> and I walk into the into one of the rooms and my mum is cooking up cooking up some food and uh yeah, slowly everything is sort of melting. All the rooms are slowly melting and, and, and becoming <laughs> becoming an abstract mess on the screen. Um, and I guess the, the bottom line of the concept is for me to try and save my inner child, you know, from this, this, this eternal melting. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that wasn't possible. So I stood in, uh, in front of a, a, a telephone box. <laughs> just, just gotta make, just gotta make everything. I just gotta buy a fuck ton of wax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> get a warehouse space, build the rooms, and then just like up the up the up the AC a bit. Just to see. Here's know. the thing: like, even if I had the budget, I feel like uh, the videos that live inside my head would never be as grandiose in in reality because. I get very restless. Like I, I don't have the mental capacity to drag out my idea across a few months to go and film. I like the idea of like taking whatever energy I have, whether it's this impatientness or whether it's whether it's just restlessness or. But I feel the need to like it has to happen now. All of mm. my videos happen in the space of an hour's time. You know, I hate this idea of dragging them out over long day long shoots, mm. and and I feel that's that that. Uh, mirrors itself in my artistic creation as well. Once I have an idea down, a, a musical creation, once I have an idea down, I want to create the bulk of the work, you know? I want to I write the full... Want it, once I've got a title and I've got one song, 
I'm aware of what the full EP has to be. And I, 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 it becomes a new obsession, you know, and I won't stop till it's finished. And then maybe I won't create for another five months or something of that nature, you know? So it's these mini obsessions that have to be done now. That's what, that's what art is to me. <laughs> play. Is there a particular reason, um, <clears throat> is there an important reason or whatever to uh, have uh, subtitles in your videos? Yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, it's considering the fact that a lot of my, my work is very wordy um, and a lot of my work, uh, you know, maybe may a little more complex in terms of rhyming patterns or rhyme schemes. And as much as I said that I, I want to just take people on the journey, I also want people to dial in, put a magnifying glass in if they want to if they see it fit to, you know, like there's so many albums that I listen to and I don't want to do any, any research into it. I don't want to understand it more than what my emotions understand of it. Um, but sometimes there are, sometimes I do want to, I want to understand what every line means. And I, I, I would like to break down what the concepts are and get inside the artist's head. So that's really what the, what the lyrics are for, what the subtitles are for there. And also I feel like it's a cool aesthetic. It makes me think of, um, of my love for independent cinema, international cinema, and going to going to see a film. This was heavily based around the. This was heavily present in the the, the video black box. This idea of like going to see a film that maybe you don't have a full access to in terms of in terms of its artistic translation. Like films in other languages, there's always going to be something about that language that I'm not going to understand in the translation. An emotion that isn't conveyed in its fullest form because translation isn't wholly accurate. And I think that's a great representation of art in general. Like, it's, I'm never going to be able to explain to you exactly what I felt when I wrote this or exactly what I felt when I rapped this. Um, but here's here's a version of that. Here's a version of that translation. So that's, that's, also, uh, that's also why. Yeah, so it's not the accent. No. <laughs> Oh, what a London thing to say. I know, right? <laughs> Jesus. Hey, we, 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 got, we got a whole section on, on, on being a Midland slash North, all right? So let me, let me, get, my, let me, let me get my shots in. Sorry, sorry. It's all good. We got you. We got you afterwards. It's fine. I'm making, it, I'm making up for it. I'm making up for it. Um, I want to <laughs> briefly uh, hop into the production because obviously, like you said, is your first time you're doing uh, fully self-reduced um so you produced it was there a what well, was there what was the reason for producing it for yourself it's it's an artistic ideal i've always wanted to achieve like a lot of my favorite artists you know it's just them and their ideas uh mm -hmm. throwing paint at a canvas and and I, there's something beautiful about that to me and i think that's why i was always sort of heavily attracted to i guess maybe the la experimental hip-hop scene and you know, seeing seeing artists rock up to the stage with a Roland SP and no, you know, no backing instrumentalists, no, uh, you know, no hype men, none of that, just them and their ideas. And, and yeah, there's just something, there's something of a mad scientist that I, uh, vibes that I get from that. And I've always wanted to be, uh, to learn how to embody that. You know, it's, it's beautiful collaborating, but to, you know, to, to, uh, to savor the energy that you have of, a, of an idea when you have it, it's great to be able to just do it there and then and not have to await mixing from, from, from fellow artists or await from music from fellow artists or, you know, to be able to just do it. And uh, yeah, I, I just really, I've always wanted to do that. And, and I want to prove that I'm a musician, you know, I'm in a constant battle with myself to try and prove I am a musician, even though I'm not classically trained in anything. Uh, it's a bit of like a, a, a self rivalry I have. Hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I hear you on the front of just doing it yourself. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love that. Love love the ability to do that. You know, it's just yeah. just not relying on anybody. It's great. It's, it's Yo, perfect. also, I, I have to just quickly say, I would have uh, definitely had a better setup today if I fully realized we were doing a podcast. I didn't quite get that we were doing a podcast episode. Otherwise, I wouldn't My be bad. on the street. So apologies <laughs> if you're hearing sirens and shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's completely it's, my bad, honestly. Completely no, no, bad. I just didn't fully understand that. That's, that's no stress. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> but on that production tip, 
um i feel like this ep definitely has a uh, a darker sound than a lot of your previous work and it kind of highlighted what is has become my favorite theme in your music and it's the idea of like lost childhood and regret mm. and uh obviously the title things i should have said a year ago did that theme of regret like coding on that push you towards that uh darker production here yeah that's a beautiful question uh i think I think it is something that's constantly present in my work and, and perhaps just my mental life as a person, my emotional life as a person. Uh, was it good enough? Uh, what would you have done? You know, this, this wrestles with nostalgia, the presence of nostalgia. That's something that's always been heavily present in my work. But this one, it was around a particular emotional turmoil uh, in the very specific period that I wrote the, the work. Um, and what I wanted to do once I'd created it, it was, it was a therapeutic moment of, of self-expression. It was really about getting these ideas across, getting these, uh, getting these emotions out, you know, as they're bu buzzing around my head. But once I got them out, for me, it was them thinking about, okay, I've created something that is actually quite, it's quite heavy. As you said, you use the word dark. It's quite, it's quite emotionally intense. Now, what is the concept that I can pull from that? What is the beauty in that? I was constantly searching for, well, what's the function of that? Because I don't want to make dark or, or depressing art, as you will, for art, for depressing art's sake. And I, and I, and I came to this, this realization that I don't actually believe in depressing art. I don't believe in sad art. I believe sadness can be represented through art. But I, I believe the medium of art has to, has to, you know, represent a, a wide spectrum of emotions. And we can't like put, put labels on that, on, on the specific emotions that, you know, to, to sort of like, to devalue the art or, or, or make it seem as though it's less joyful. So I was looking for a way to figure out conceptually um, how this can be a, a joy, a, pr a product of joy rather than a product of mere sadness, you know, or at least thinking about how people will perceive that. How can I allow people to perceive it as a project of joy? And I realized that, that that's what we're constantly doing is we're constantly, we're, we're throwing gold. And, and, and this is hence, hence why the cover art is what it is, you know, the golden lips. We're throwing, um, we're throwing glitter, we're throwing gold on our void. I mean, that's what we're constantly doing uh, throughout our life. And, and we're, we're trying to find ways to beautify difficult emotions, to beautify difficult events. That's how we create maladaptive patterns that actually allow us to survive. Uh, it's, it's a means of, of, of trying to inju in inject pleasure and joy into something that's very difficult and, uh, to process. So uh, that's what I was trying to do with this EP and, and that's why the cover art is what it is. And things I should have said a year ago is literally things I should have said a year ago, but also not so literally. You know, it's, it's maybe a representation of... Um, a second chance, you know, a resurrection. Like if, if you didn't have the chance then, what about this new imagination, this new uh, reimagination of something? What would you do with that now? Um, so getting out this project was all, was very much like this transitional process of going from something that may be perceived as something depressing or, or, or void of joy and trying to say, well, actually I survived it, you know? A very cocoon butterfly um, essence there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, and I think I, uh, I think I, me personally, I genuinely got that uh, when I saw you live uh, the other month at uh, Servants mm. Jazz Cause. I mean, we were literally in a basement. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's like, true. Like the like the the mise en scene uh, does it uh, just is is slapping right now, um, and <laughs> you know it's it's great. Uh, we're literally in a basement, but it felt very. Um, and while the production had that darkness to it, there was just an essence of color. And I guess that's kind of, I think more, um, I think that's more broad in the sense of just the fact that it was a hip hop show. Mm -hmm. You had Sigri Komodashi with you on the, yeah. on the, on the, on the, on the, on the sax. That was great. And it just added that. Um, yeah. It just, it, it, it took the weight off from the, you know, I don't know about you, Ryan, but the first listen I had towards EPL society, Oh damn! 
<laughs> just, 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 just shade coming through, just coming over my face. I'm just like, oh, damn. It's like, <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> so, respecting on that, just for, um, I guess, uh, bringing that through, and obviously with the live, um, uh, with the live uh, uh, Roland uh, use as well. Um, no, but I, that's I, great that you say that uh, because <laughs> I feel that um, I feel that I really wanted to go into the most gruesome feelings. You know, you know. I I think about the lines on, uh, on yikes, uh, covered in ticks and brine. I lick my lips to taste the tears I've cried. Uh, oh, I just, gosh. I just... <laughs> too much, bro. It's too salty. I just felt that salt on my t- I just I love that. I need a drink. I forgot. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. That's exactly what I want, though. I I like this idea of, you know, oh. the beauty in something gruesome. You said specifically, you know, a cocooning. This idea of of, of coming from caterpillar to butterfly and, and I, I really like that you know returning back to the earth and uh giving birth to ourselves anew you know but it's it's a gruesome process and and it, the whole process of writing this ep uh made me think a lot about the body and the body's presence in my in my work and writing and uh how gruesome it is and how gruesome our self-perception can allow it to be but also how beautiful it is you know the fact that life is this our experience is through this vehicle of the body um i, I became very very concerned with that when writing this work yeah. very cronenberg of you um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh i wanted to just close on the um not close philosophic kind of things on um something that i noticed in your emails that you send me when you send me new music it's always <laughs> uh Mensa from the north you know os Mensa. uh <laughs> UK rapper from the north of England. That's, you know? that's just to uh, get uh, uh, someone <laughs> writer's attention, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he knows the ecosystem. He knows it. I mean, 100% get that. But I was wondering, no, I get it because, like, you know, people like Charlie biased against the north, so you know, it's 50 but full disclosure, full disclosure, full disclosure, right? Is full disclosure, right? When yeah. we were talking, when we were planning out the mapping out just the interview itself, I yeah. said literally because you think. Uh, I mean, be, me personally, I think of I think about my listening habits very, uh-huh. very viscerally, um, and the way I do that specifically is trying to listen to more female artists. Uh-huh. Um, so I re- I really do attempt for myself to just try and be fifty fifty with it. Mm-hmm. Locale wise, out the window, bro. Out the window. Like the the, um, it's just so. I'm I, I when I deep it, I'm just like I listen to. Do I listen to anybody apart wow. from my Otis and like yeah. Bugsy Malone? Well, I'm glad that I made the list. You know, the short, uh, <laughs> the short narrowing list. <laughs> hey, it's. I mean, it's real. I'm just being a hundred. You. I'm just. I'm. I'm just like damn. Like I. I focus on so many things. Like trying to you know, listen to new genres and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, you know, deepen my roots in UK jazz and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But there's always, everyone has a blind spot for me, bro. Honestly, yeah. it's like, no, if, if ain't in London, like I'm just, I'll just, I'll just, and it's not even like I don't act, uh, I see, oh, Sheffield. No, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't turn my nose up at it, but I just no. never, I just, you just never, I just never find it. I just, no, I feel that. And I think, uh, I think that's, that's not necessarily uh, an indie. Obviously, it's always a consumer decisions. Yeah, it's but, not. It's not an excuse, by the way. No, no, but 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 I feel like it's not necessarily a consumer problem in the same way there is uh, an industry problem. Um, yeah. You know, like and and I think and I understand why that problem exists and it's and it's historic. It's historical. You know, and, like the the north and south divide is a real thing that mm-hmm. is consistently. Sorry. Uh, I just blew into my laptop because I saw a spider there and I have a, a rac- arachnophobia. <laughs> um, That's going to be so, fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, I feel it is also an industry standard problem. Uh, mm. and, and, but, but at the same time, the way I see it is, uh, I, I, my hope is to try and transcend regionality, you know? Yep. yep. And, and um I mean, it is. Be- I, I think it's important to listen to artists from everywhere. But at the same time, uh, it's part of my goal to, you know, I'm from this place. But I think we, me, me and you, Ryan, we spoke about the concepts of home before. Mm-hmm. Um, th- you know, this this 
place doesn't represent who I am. You know, I'm not Otis Mensa, Sheffield artist from the north. I happen to reside here and I happen to be from here, but um, but I hope that the ideas that I'm engaging with and the, the, the art that I'm engaging with transcends that. And, and you know, like if, if it can make people maybe listen to more artists from the region, that's, that's perfect. But um, yeah, I'm not on a mission to try and convince uh, you to listen to Otis Mensa, the Northern artist, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. No. And um, But I am aware oh, of the echo chamber at the same time, that, that, yes. that there is an existing London um, centricism to, to the music industry, you know? Yes, yeah, definitely. and that's what kind of got me thinking, like being away from that epicentre of what we consider UK music. Mm-hmm. UK music a lot of time just means London music. Yeah, so, yeah. Do you think your um, sensibilities being very different to what a yeah. UK artists tend to dive into, do you think being detached from that is, has some kind of uh, roots? Yeah, I think, I think a subconscious one, maybe not always, a, not, not always one that I'm, that I'm considering, but yeah, definitely. And, and it's interesting you say about accents because, uh, you know, if I go to, if I go to the other parts uh, in in the north, uh, people ask me, "Are oh, you really from Sheffield?" Or like, "Were you, were you raised in London?" Or you know, it's like people ask me oh, this really? question. But then, as soon yeah. as I come across uh, uh, come across uh, Southern Heads, it's like, "Oh wow, whereabouts are you from?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, uh, it's something that I'm I'm forever perplexed by, and and, and also ever fascinated with uh, how it's so hard to to live with and also lose your regionality because i think we're as artists we're constantly grappling those two spheres um we want to represent where we're from in a way and we we are where we're from in, in a way but we also want to lose that that like the goal of any artist is to transcend uh where they were where they were born and and, and to, to to have music that's accessible beyond that and, and speak to universals universal ideas um so I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. But I only ever run into it when I speak to a Londoners, funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to clarify for the record, because I don't think I said it's on Charlie's podcast. I am from Birmingham. Stand up. Stand up. myself southern, you know. But, Stand up. <laughs> Stand up. No, it's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah, but, the, but I think it's because of that, like, the accent thing just makes me so happy. Like, like when you use words with a you in them, it just warms my heart completely. Like I was saying to Charlie the other day, like before Venice is one of my favorite songs, probably my favorite uh-huh. song by you, because of when you say we sunk before Venice, like <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so good. I was like, you don't hear this enough though. Like, oh, I love that. Yeah, I agree. You actually get to hear that in in, yeah. uh, in my listening. So yeah. Yo, shout out to Children of Zeus. They're uh... yep. Yeah. You, you, you must be listening to Children of Zeus, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, calm down, man. All right, it's, just, <laughs> I, it's it's just like the the list of names don't come off. I do, yeah, yeah, I, I have, you. I do have people, but like, yeah, it just never. But I could say yeah. the same for myself about um about uh, British British artists in general. You know, like yeah. I often my natural inclination, I have to make make mental space for for listening to. Well, I, I that's a lie actually, because I listen to a lot of regional artists. Like I listen to a lot of artists from my area or from. You know, up-and-coming artists from from London, from everywhere, from Sheffield. So maybe that's not true, but on a mainstream level or or maybe a bigger artistic level, I'm the same. Uh, My natural inclination, especially in terms of hip-hop, is to perhaps uh, uh, gravitate towards American-created-centric music. Um, One thing that has completely changed that for me and, and, you know, started in like 20, I don't know, 2016, is, is the UK jazz scene. Like that has changed everything for me musically. Like I have an uh, ever expanding affinity for um, for jazz coming out of London, jazz coming out of Birmingham, Leeds. It's so freaking inspiring. Like, and and I and I, I think it's also so beautiful because what you said, Charlie, about maybe sometimes accents, perhaps acting as a barrier for some people, not everyone, but for some people. I mean that 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 that. That musical realm is so uh, universal and it's so um, accentless. You know, yeah. it's like it, it can speak to everyone around the world, and I think, and I think that's why it's so beautiful for many yeah. reasons. But yeah.
just for the record, I'm not that dense. Um, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's fine. It's fine. I, I feel like we're, we I get feel it, right? We're in, we're in the tongue and cheek realm. Okay, that's fine. That's cool. Nice. <laughs> as long as we all know that. As long as we're all aware. <laughs> No, I feel you. I'm only joking around. It's cool. But um, a minor note uh, from your previous answer, it's interesting because you were talking about regionality and stuff like that. And I always uh, always think about that pertaining to American hip hop as it is right now. Because obviously, you know, when we listen to 90s hip hop, we know clearly whether it's East Coast or West Coast. Uh Uh, We know clearly, you know, from 3-6 Mafia, whether it's, you know, from Tennessee or whatever, or Master P, uh, No Limit, stuff like that. We know it's from New Orleans and stuff like that. But now... Now you know, <clears throat> I recently did um recently did a retrospective on Kendrick Lamar, and it was just like, if Kendrick Lamar was born in the seventies, and yeah. you know his his nineties hip hop would just be whatever Dr. Dre or Warren G were cooking up on mm-hmm. uh, beat wise, um, but now like he, you know he's he's using trap beats, he's using jazz, yeah. obviously, like he, he's using everything, he's using that melting pot, and I feel yeah. like in recent times in contemporary hip hop, it's just kind yeah. of those regionality borders have been broken where regardless if people, you know, try to say they're 10 toes down in North Carolina or wherever, yeah. but the music itself is, can be very universal. And I love that. I love that space that we're in musically and mm-hmm. I guess generationally where, um, you know, you can discover an artist on colors and have no idea where they're, where they're based, where they're yep. from. Uh, and, and, and even, even like sonically, you know, like even, even speaking of UK artists, I mean, I know there's always this, uh, there's this constant need to be, to be like, yeah, I'm from the UK, you know, sort of, because of course America has had a light shone on it for so long in terms of its artistic, like the art that comes from there, the music that comes from there. But I think it's, uh, I think it's a pretty place to be in where everything, all the lines are blurred and you can see artists from the UK collaborating with, with artists from the States, from artists in Europe, and, and it all become this one melting pot of, of um, artistic ideals rather than uh, uh, like kettlebells of regionality. Even though they can be beautiful, sometimes, sometimes having that, that, that title on you can be a kettlebell um, in the eyes of another, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like a weird uh, internal conflict thing for any... British person, especially for us, Otis, like we love our art rap and yeah. the epicenter of art rap is America. It's technically sure. Chicago, if you think about like Open Mic and Rap Ferreira both being from mm-hmm. there. So um, how does that particular aspect of it manifest? Like um, the British art rap guy, is that <laughs> something that uh, you find a difficult plane to carve? Ah. Uh... Yes and no. No, because I'm not, I'm usually not thinking of myself as a British art rap person, you know? Um, I mean, sometimes maybe you have to put that in, in artist biographies or pictures to blogs or, mm-hmm. you know, like EPKs. Just because I, you know, I think we spoke about it before. People love categorization. Um, but I, I, again, I don't see myself as tied to regionality uh, i see beauty in the region that i'm from i see beauty but in the same way and, and i'm saying that to say this it mirrors the same way that i see britishness like my experience in britain has never um made me feel british <laughs> mm. so i have no ties to say i am a british artist the great the great british <laughs> i am a great british artist i have no uh you know, no loyalty to uh, to Britishness as 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 it is dissected and, and understood. I mean, there's beautiful things about culture that exists in Britain, but usually those beautiful things are forced out of the box of what Britishness is anyway. Um, so, you know, I, I just happened to be born in a spot, and 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 like I said, I wasn't going to your local music night in Sheffield. I was looking at things online. I was looking at art online. So, you know, it, I feel like perhaps Britishness or, or, or Sheffieldness or Northernness is a lens, a subconscious lens that I have to see the world. And that's important, but it's nothing other than that. I don't think it's anything other than perhaps I'm going to see things through this, uh, 
resonance of language when I'm speaking. Perhaps I'm going to relay this uh, cinema in Berlin to this cinema that I had in my hometown of Sheffield, you know? But other than that, I don't believe there's a, there's a strong tie or prox uh, proximity to, to Britishness or being from where I'm from, you know? So, yeah, yeah. I, I, and and, I, and that's, that's on, a, on a deeper level, I, you know, political, racial. Um, yeah, not, not being able to be considered British is, is a constant grapple of mine anyway. Yeah, 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 it is. That's, a, that's, a, that's another podcast. Yeah, that's it another is, podcast. Three <laughs> Love White Brothers. That's a for another podcast, bro. For that's sure, for sure. Especially coming up at like, the Jubilee weekend a couple of weeks ago. Oh which my is, like, lord, so tough. I mean, shit, but then, shit is triggering. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. Um, Hologram, do you know? Fuck yeah. <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> oh man. Uh, when we go, I saw that hologram. When when when's the Berlin move happening? Oh, that's a great uh, question, man. I ask myself that consistently. Yeah, um, all, that, all that Sheffield tour, yeah, I would have moved. Um, I I plan on moving towards the end of uh, July, start of August this year, actually. But Play. it's all dependent on whether I can secure a flat. I I do have a German citizenship currently, so it mm. makes it a little easier, you know. We'll see. Mm. <laughs> you live in Ryan's dreams right now. Yeah, really Ryan, cool. come come join me. I know you were you were you were living in Germany for a minute. Yeah, yeah, I was. I I do want to go back, but it's a, uh, never stops talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, I don't know how long we, we've probably gone uh, nearly over forty minutes, so uh, sure. we'll 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 finish on a couple uh, of uh, Oscar centric uh, questions mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, I'll, I'll let Ryan ask the last one uh, for fun. Uh, I've never asked anyone else to do it. But um, another one I ask uh, before we finish is uh, what have you been listening to? Uh, what we've been reading, what we've been watching that you feel like uh, people should get onto? Oh, that's a great question. What uh, art have you been consuming? <laughs> uh, a lot, actually. Um, I guess because it's been a minute since we've since we spoke, it'd be good to, to say that I fell in love with the Floating Points Ferro Sanders album Promises. I don't know if you guys have heard that yet. Well, the floating points and various yeah, Yes, yeah. yes. Very, yeah, very fascinating. Yeah. That's becoming one of my favorite albums of all time. And, and, and I think is heavily influencing not just that album specifically, but the work of Pharaoh Sanders. And, and I guess that pocket of, of atmospheric, uh, transient experimental jazz is, is influencing my artistry heavily uh, and making me think about how can I open up the landscape of sound, even as a hip hop artist, because I think many like versions or iterations of hip hop music can be can be sort of uh, sticking to a traditional rhythmic form or can stick to a to a to a a, 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 a gravity induced rhythmic form, meaning like this is going to be the rhythmic pattern of this music, and I want to figure out ways how I can open that landscape up for myself, you know, and, and maybe, you know, thinking about music without percussion or thinking about percussion that maybe isn't always the, the epicenter of the, the, the musical backdrop, but is an addition, you know? Um, and yeah, Floating Points and, and, and Ferro Sanders, the Promises album really, really opened me up to that. I've also recently gone back to, gone back to listening to Toro y Moi heavily. I love, I love that person. Freaking Toro Imam, my he's he's a, uh, his projects. That project is is like a hero project to me. You know, seeing him seeing him push the boundaries of of, of sonics and, and genre, uh, moving from indie experimental to to soul psychedelic, and, and just having a psychedelic lens on the way he you know takes pop music is 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 really interesting to me. And and I think that's why I said I love uh, I love. Um, Woodlouse of Friends on, on, on my EP because I feel like that's me getting closer to, to that uh, to that bubblegum bubblegum space and I'm trying to get I'm trying to be more bubblegum <laughs> that's what's up yeah yeah very open mic of you actually that's that's like a very um, yeah open mic thing to kind of blend that bubblegum yo I see the open mic and... eagle album in your in, in the background yeah <laughs> <laughs> eagle eyed fuck you know hey yeah I know right <laughs> But, um, 
Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. It's been a, it's been a while since I listened to a What's Good interview, and I, I like I'm I was struggling to remember <laughs> what the final question was. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's your top five. It's your top five anything. So like, can be as broad or specific as you want. Your Do you remember five. your last one? Because it was very five. broad. Oh, I can't remember. Bro, bro, put a whole genre in there. Did I? Damn. <laughs> Huh, top five. I was, I was like trying to think of advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said like uh I remember specifically you said like uh the roots, black door, and then uh Del the Funky Homo Sapien, and then it was just like the entire genre of art rap. Uh, <laughs> I, I think just, just talked about after two minutes. I was like, okay, that'd be cool. Yeah, so wow, so <laughs> this is gonna be interesting to see if it's changed at all. Yeah, you know? where, where, are we, where are we going this time? Oh man, um I guess we can start with since since it relayed from our previous previous chat just now, um, favorite musicians maybe Ferro uh, Sanders, Sumra, uh, heavily influential to to the way I'm approaching lyricism. Again, thinking about how to open up the landscape of sound as an MC, which is a, a, a peculiar task to take on. Um, but thinking about how to open up the landscape of sound as an MC, rather than just thinking about the literary side of it. Uh, so yeah, Ferro Sanders and Sumra, uh, my top two musicians. So is, is that two? I don't know. Yeah, you got you got two out of five. Yeah. Okay. You, got, you got three. You got three more. Uh, oh damn! So top five. Huh. I'm forever falling in love with an album called You Yeah You by Trey Burt who's an amazing, uh, I don't know how, how to genre him, folk, blues, singer, probably more on the folk side. Mm. Um, yeah, an incredible poet, an incredible musician, just visceral poetry, uh, you know, vocalized with so much emotion. You know, I, yeah, I love that album. I just recently went to see him live in Leeds and it was, it was such a beautiful thing. So yeah, and, and, and maybe that goes to speak to a new love I have for folk music, um, you know, created by people of color and black people, because I, because I think it's, it's, it's a genre that can be considered so whitewashed that I find it so beautiful. Uh, 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 directing my gaze specifically on, on black and people of color making folk, folk music and, and, and rock music. So is that free? <laughs> yeah, that's free. <laughs> oh man, I don't even know. Uh, it doesn't have to just be music, right? Broad, bro. It can be anything. Broad and specific if you want. Oh, damn. Back uh, massage, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't like the idea of a back massage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, someone touching my back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not so sure about that one, you know? Like, who are you? You know? Uh, <laughs> I mean, your guide is down, you're vulnerable, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, huh. We'll keep the thing on you all time. <laughs> so I have, I have uh, 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 two more. Let's say... Oh, gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, let's say Barty Strange, another new artist who I've, who I've recently fallen in love with. Um... His album "Live Forever" is definitely in my my top whatever at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah, check that album out. It's such a beautiful album. Uh, beautiful in in aspects of blending, melding genres, but doing it so uh, consistently and so like having an artistic anchor that makes you know makes for a beautiful, seamless listen. So yeah, Barty Strange "Live Forever." Um, how many? Of, of, one, one more, more to go. Oh my lord! Let's say showroom cinema uh, in Sheffield. Since, <laughs> since <laughs> uh, yeah, indi yeah. independent film, experimental film. I, yep. I, it's been a massive influence of mine. Recently, uh, I've started to work more in film, uh, doing some uh, uh, cultural curation work around film. So, like thinking about experiential events that can happen around film screenings. And for me, that's, it's really a beautiful thing to, to have alongside my own personal artistry because it makes me think, well, 
well, how heavily is film an influence on my music? And also, you know, pulling out emotions, this, this constant idea of how can we uh, uh, excavate um, emotions from, from the art and, and, and say, well, this is what I felt from that. So yeah, uh, independent, independent cinema, man. That's definitely a, a thread i'd love to pull out along a lot more but um yeah quickly favorite movie from this year do you have a favorite from this year a favorite from from where from this year favorite film from this year yeah um uh what was it called now mm, uh sorry i'm super dyslexic so i'm always mixing up the titles uh it's oh yeah paris paris 13th district I don't know if you guys have seen that. Paris 13th District was my favorite film that I've seen this year. Beautiful. That rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of about uh, relationships. Uh, and it's, 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 a, it's a drama, um, very dialogue heavy in, a, in the most beautiful way. Very beautiful conversations at the center of it. Oh, audio. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's in black and white. Yeah. Uh, Probably one of my top from this year, but though the list is ever expanding, every time I see a great film, it's my favorite from the year. So. Wow, I haven't. Well, I also love Blue by You. I uh, don't know if any of you guys saw Blue by You this year, or it might no. be on the on the end of 2021 actually. Beautiful, oh, wow. beautiful film, uh, also by an incredible director who's who's doing some amazing work. So yeah, Blue by You and uh, Paris 13th District. Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard Jacques Audio since. Uh, since sixth form uh we watched uh-huh. the prophet and uh along with lahane and uh we yeah. oh, i love i love both of those films lahane's yeah, in my top sure. 10 ever like oh, that's really? great but yeah man i love that film to death i could watch that forever um but yeah, yeah prophet was fascinating so yeah shout out to jack audio man yeah i haven't yeah. heard that name in a minute i didn't actually know he was the director so yeah yeah he's uh, directed and screen uh screenwriter as well so yeah shout nice. out to him. shout out shout out and uh on that note uh with with French film, uh, we shall finish there. Mister Spencer, <laughs> esoteric as as, as always, <laughs> um, just uh, switching off and ending on the French film because why not? Why, why not? not? It's been a pleasure, uh, Ryan. Of course, thanks for coming through and uh, just uh, well allowing me to put this on. Um, allowing me to come through because I feel like I was the th- third wheel, just like, <laughs> hey, y'all come in. Why not? Yeah, because Ryan just asked me. Terrible audio. Uh, it's, it's all good. Uh, it's all good, you know. But uh, the You're audio, like this punishment the audio... uh, for for the shots fired at the northern region, you know. Now you've got to hear it <laughs> as an ever existing imprint on your uh, podcast. <laughs> That's a very artistic way of seeing it. I respect it. So yeah, appreciate you coming through. And uh, thank you guys yeah. for your time. Blessings, man. Yes, sir. Cheers, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was an hour uh, joint interview uh, with Mr. Oates Mentor. Ryan, will you take the plane flight uh, invitation to uh, to Germany? Listen, with three pound in my pocket <laughs> and a couple dreams and uh, a cup full of bubble tea, I will take that plane journey. <laughs> Yeah, you know it makes me think about it makes me think about uh, all those stories about uh, people in you know the twenties and wh- whatever <laughs> era. Just like I, I went to New York with with pennies in my pocket and made a multi billion dollar uh, enterprise. So I'm just yeah. like, cool, bro. I accidentally ran over an executive in my car, <laughs> and he was like, "You got you got what it takes, kid." <laughs> 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 oh gosh oh gosh but um, yeah man i think i think that he's just fa- uh, just um as we said in the start um just plenty of fascinating things uh i really i, I there's i think out of all of that i think I, I think this is kind of um what's interesting about otis i guess that regardless of all the music stuff that uh that he was um pumping in and all of the just uh interesting thoughts about his personal artistry and how he and, and especially how he sees art i feel like that's the most interesting thing about him is how he sees things and obviously through his poetry how he kind of regurgitates um some of those some of those thoughts that, that he has um whether it be from looking out or looking within um but 
with all that, the most fascinating thing came out of that for me was just uh, the uh, joint lamentation of uh, of British monarchy and, uh, <laughs> and and Britishness as a whole. But that's that's just me. Do you have any highlight personally for you? Um, I just love Otis talking about like abstract art and just you know diving deeper into that. It's just kind of the stuff that like I love hearing artists talk about things like that. And um, someone just purposely being like, I'm going to make it weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what gives me energy. And that's what like, Otis energizes me as an artist. It's like I, I mm-hmm. identify with his with his mission as an artist mm-hmm. and his, his goals as an artist. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I feel like I want to get both of you in a room and uh, just have like a, I don't know, just like a listening sesh and... Uh, I don't know, yeah, something like that. Have a listening sesh, talk about the music afterwards. Just like, um, yeah. basically a radio show. I've, I've, we should we should go on we should go on a five pm radio and just uh, see what oh, happens on yeah. that front. Oh yeah, needs a five. That'd be very show. fascinating. Like, <laughs> that'll be good. That'll be good. Um, actually, yeah, let's, let's think about that. I, I, I've just, uh, I'll just, I'll just, yeah, I've just unlocked a, a, an idea I had a while back, and I was just like, I never, I never actually pursued it. But that'll be quite interesting. It's just, uh, yeah, just get some people in. Um, pick some tunes and uh, have people talk about them. very basic but we'll, we'll make something out of that we'll see what happens uh, or maybe or maybe like my interviews this year go down the toilet and never talk about it again <laughs> but with that said ladies and gentlemen <laughs> for the fifth end podcast network <laughs> i would try to say this has been most good intro music was backstar by bob berrigan thanks to chill music for the bits used the track you can find both links in the full show notes and the interlude was before venice you have to mention before venice by os mensa ryan Thank you for coming through. Thank you for um, sharing the interview with me. And, always, uh, always. Yeah, man. We'll, we'll uh, maybe or maybe not do do one uh, now uh, down the line. Who knows? I hope so. Never say never. <laughs> never say never. But yeah, until next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.